now, our feature presentation. everyone welcome to another episode of the florida sound archive podcast i'm your host jeff kaiser and today's guest comes to us from miami florida we've got cammy alvarez from period bomb cammy how are you welcome in i'm good i'm good you are in the tour van of period bomb is that right yep uh just off to a great start today um I didn't like sleep at all. Um, I it's kind of like the ending of my book. Why I didn't sleep at all? What's going on with me? I might just give it away as a spoiler. I thought about maybe like not just giving everything away and just making this almost like the condensed fucking uh, what's it called like audio book yeah. <laughs> for people who are too lazy to read or uh, never learn to read all good man um but yeah and i live with my parents right now and in a tiny house with no privacy and um yeah uh so i have to find somewhere to do it and then i tried to do it at joel ironically and they're like closed and then i freaking came to the nearest cafe and it's in winwood and it's like really nauseating there's like porsches in there like and like people playing really nice guitars with like the nicest vintage amps I've ever seen. So I couldn't do it in there because of their stupid, horrible sounds. <laughs> like horribly pretty, of course. I mean, but yeah. You found the next best spot. The tour van. Good old, good old Vanny. I actually um, got the exact same tour van that we toured in for eight years. Um she finally i had to leave her in in baltimore because someone took a catalytic converter and i'd have to pass all these tests there and i was just going back to miami so it wasn't worth it she had two hundred twenty-two thousand miles when i left her behind and i felt really bad about it and she haunted me and i kept looking for vans and just really so sad and just wanted her and then the exact same van popped up same year same color same mileage i bought the old one with which is like 70k um and uh it's like just like starting over so it's pretty great was period bomb the first band you actually went on a serious tour with yeah yeah i didn't i didn't think that was possible at all in fact like i started i guess most uh people who aren't in like a music family or like are in an isolated town kind of like this think they have to kind of doing covers but i was doing like covers of like 1930s cuban music which i still love but yeah just you know the whole being a cuban uh first generation uh immigrant thing here uh it's what you do and um then i actually i did that in la in college too and even though i was like in a great radio station there kxlu with all this experimental stuff I still didn't really, and I I found to live and shave in LA there, which is crazy because ends up that that's Rat's band, and I never knew till like years after knowing Rat, um, and uh, and it said like somewhere live, and I was like, you think they really got away with this live in a venue somewhere? 
and someone was like yeah like and I was like that new you know and I was like I want to do that you know so um but it wasn't it wasn't until somebody that I had hooked up with this person Snow White was like booking tours in front of me that I was like you just asked for $500 like that and they just give it to you like this is absurd and I did not know it worked like this at all and can I jump on your tour and it's kind of how it happened where was the first tour where'd you go um so he had just um was doing this tour where he was like shooting across straight across America from LA to like Virginia and, and stuff and New York and then back and then um but he got stuck in Charlottesville West Virginia because his drummer um crashed the van so I had just bought a 1972 Dodge Maxi van and I was like just uh fly over here and we could do the tour in reverse in my van and he, he fell for it and my, and my van fucking died on the first day what year was the van 72. Oh, wow. 1972. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah. Um, what's funny is like we ended up still living in that van, even though it didn't work for like a couple years or at least a year after the tour, which was like four months long. And we were like making it up as we went along. But yeah, we had to jump into his mom's Subaru Forester and I had to consolidate. We had to consolidate band members and just like get put together one band that could do both bands and just tour like that. Uh, what was the craziest story from that first tour you can remember besides the problems with the van? That was just like to set the tone <laughs> for the whole tour. There was so many insane stories on that tour. I, I, I just wrote the book and I don't know how many pages the first four month tour took. Like in my, I think, it, I think it took around like 40 pages, four months. It's like, yeah. Uh, not even that bad because it was such a long, crazy tour. And we were like, didn't have any money or like any plan. Like we were just like going as we went along, like just staying in squats. And we stayed in the squat here, Black Sheep House for a while. What was that like staying in a squat for the first time? You ever slept in a sp space like that? No, I hadn't. Um, someone apparently I think had just like died of heroin. And that's why that room opened up <laughs> in that room. And there was like heroin baggies like stuck to the wall in like a, some kind of like art display. And there was like train hoppers there all the time. They were pretty sketchy, like filing their knives and like crazy couples on crack that would like fight. And it was, it was pretty intense. Um, strangely, this person, Shanti, was staying with us there, even though they have a, their family's house like down the road in El Portal. Um, and he went on to be like really famous. Now his project is Eve's tumor. His, his profile says he's from Cuba, but he's Haitian from El Portal. Um, craziest story. Um, we like lost all the money twice in West Virginia, back at that same place where the van was crashed and in Austin during South by. We threw a DIY fest there in the middle of a field, like without anyone's permission or anything. And a bunch of people came and it was awesome. We pulled that off somehow. Um, we just like tried to like put together a DIY festival in South by and we got away with it. And we had like picture plane headline and he brought like 50 people on bikes. And 
that it was crazy and awesome and we got shut down by the cops like right after his set like after the last song so it was like we pulled that off really well ironically the next day we like get kicked out because like one of us lost some money and we're like fighting like in the bar and like all this shit and south by was super insane like there was animals found there was i invited way too many bandmates and they like all came there was uh we like we're gonna stay somewhere else so we thought like an orgy was gonna ensue and then like the wife like kicks us all out we have just like sleeping or like on top of each other in a car like slash like not sleep um uh and what else happened at south by then in denton we they had this thing called like the glass curtain um which is like an old school thing for when they don't like you i guess let me see how the temperature on this freaking phone is i think it's good um uh and yeah they didn't like us from the first song so they closed it and we like decided to give them like at least like a visual <laughs> and then, so we like they gave us a, a nice guarantee though and all this food and drinks but they didn't want to hear our music so we like had like a crazy like food fight slash kind of you know play orgy in front of all of the those fine folks in denton um, but the craziest story also has to be actually from Austin. We lost one of our bandmates there who was this uh, homeless gigolo who uh, Snow White got to do drums for him last minute and uh, from L.A. And we lost him in Austin at Fun 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 Fest. And we were calling and calling and we couldn't find him. And we're like, dude, we're going to have to go without you. And luckily, Snow White, like, knew somebody who knew his music and he auditioned him his name is ethan and he does well and whatever and we take ethan after we take ethan on the tour for like at least like another three weeks or something we get a call from one of ethan's roommates and apparently gus had planned this all out and let ethan go on the tour for him to do jumps from him and was sneaking into gus's uh ethan's room every night through the window and sleeping in Ethan's room. Okay, that's gotta be like the craziest horror story. You bring a bandmate with you and they're like, no, I'm just gonna chill and live in Austin now secretly in this guy's room. You could take him on tour. Wow. Yeah, that's just the first tour. The that's second wild. tour, Red, Wet, and Bruise with the original Miami crew was also like just as crazy, like another. 30 pages or so for that man it was so much like so much happened on that one too did you ever get arrested in any of those tours um we didn't we just you know got thrown out of places threatened to be arrested a couple times um especially for the use of blood in places that sell food and whatever but um we did kind of get arrested in in paris um we get to fucking Paris and all of Europe honestly was such a whole end that everybody said like Europe is so great to artists. So I didn't, I wasn't as on top of it and overly protective as I am um, here in Miami with guarantees and stuff or just in America. So I, we, we get there, we get the day pass to travel around Paris and by like the second time we use it to try and see the fucking like Eiffel tower, it's not really working. And they have this kind of like trust system turnstiles that are like really like open, like about this much. So you just, we just like went in and these people in all black grabbed us and we're like, you have to pay 80 euros right now or you're going to jail. 
And to us, like, that's a lot of money. Like, we had, we never tour with any money. And, of course, all of our fucking parents, like, and family was just trying to punish us by not even giving us 20 more dollars, like, to get to the next place when we were expecting to make money on the first show. Being like, you went to Europe with no money, you're fucking idiots and whatever. But, like, you know, we, we made it here, like, literally for four months at a time with no money going through, like, every emergency you could ever imagine and figuring it out because tour magic is real. And we, we're just, like, poor people deserve to tour. It's, like, impossible to get out of the cycle of poverty in fucking Miami, like, we tried, you know, we tried for years like to save up money like everybody wants to do for their first tour and stuff, try and save up a thousand dollars. Took like five years and it's like, guess what? They want us to play, like we're gonna fucking go play, like, you know. Um, so yeah, we went without any money. We thought they would take good care of us. No, dude. Those little socialist ass bitches like thought it was fine to like divvy up the money equally between every show and we had to like do some crazy shit to get the money to go to Europe in the first place. Like, fuck you. Like, no. Was... What kind of crazy shit did you have to do to get the money? I mean, I'm not trying to um, implicate myself, but we definitely um, had to do some something illegal, like to pay for my first van a little bit. Wait, maybe, maybe not. Whatever. You'll see in the book. It has to do with when... They said I had cancer and, and I, or like putting me through chemo and all this shit. And I don't even think I had cancer, but it's a very good reason. So I think, I think maybe in the court of law, if I had a jury, especially I'd be able to win them over. Um, but yeah, we did. We, I'm not going to say we did all of this with absolutely no money, but it wasn't even that much. And the Europe thing was part of that and getting our van towed. In LA, we would have been fucking toast if it wasn't for a little bit of that. Um, Quite the experience. Yeah, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> How many other bandmates were on that tour with you? The one the in one? The, the, the one in the one to Europe. Oh, to Europe, it was just me and DJ. We did a two piece with like these weird backing tracks we made. So when you're doing the tours, typically, is it a full band or do you normally try to keep it on a smaller scale when you're touring? That, I mean, you always want to keep it to like the most, the least amount of bandmates, but I also like can fit like six bandmates in here. And I love to do that if I can um, for at least a little while. It's fine. But yeah, in Europe, we just like couldn't, no one else could really afford to or figure out how to get the money to go. So they asked us to play bent fest it's like queer fest in london and we really wanted to do it even though we had just moved to baltimore with like barely any money where we were there to record and our friend got us a cheap sublet for a temporary amount of time um there in this cute house we were like sharing a wall with the guitarist from animal collective and i didn't i didn't really think like i cared about them that much anymore but like they're still sick and I still have a lot of respect for him. And it was very intimidating, like me not really knowing how to play guitar and trying to do this experimental stuff for like some of the first times in my life, like with him hearing it, it was like kind of hard and I felt annoying. And then, yeah, like first thing we do is go to Europe. We're like, 
be right back. And um, I also played like a last minute kind of show to try and raise a little bit of money for that, like really last minute in the record store I was helping out at, True Vine. And nobody came except him and our other roommate. And it just like, that was the most kind of intimidated I think I've been in my life. Like just two people standing there that I like care about. Like yeah. my guitar playing, like my guitar playing is all about confidence. Like that's, how do I find the notes? I literally have no idea other than confidence and sheer magic. And it was not working that day. <laughs> it was not on. <laughs> Over the course of time, have you been able to become better at playing guitar and more confident in the way that you play or you're, you're fine with where you're at? <laughs> um, no, it's, it's something that just happens on stage. Like when I get the adrenaline, um, it gets better and I can hear myself. It gets better in practice. It, if I could hear myself a decent amount, most of the time, I kind of like what I'm doing. It really is just a matter of like how well I can hear myself. And, and you know, as long as I'm decently re relaxed enough to like interact with that sounds that I'm hearing live, you know, like it's an improv improvisational part of my brain for sure. When it comes to your vocals and your style, was there anyone in particular that had more of an influence on the way that you kind of approach it? No, not really. I, I, I was like very sensitive about that. I wanted to just like find my own voice. Um, Cause I did, like I said, like the Cuban covers for money in high school and I did flamenco as well. And I did like, I did like a, a review in this freaking like country club, like that, was with all like all these different styles of Hispanic music and I would like change my voice and I'm, I'm still pretty good at like impersonations and like changing my voice. So, and I did a lot of musical theater. So I was like, what the fuck like voice do I want to pick? You know what I mean? Like that's weird to just like pick one that I like, like it has to do something with me, you know, like I have to just figure out what's really the most me, you know? Um, and uh, I don't know how I really found that other than just like stumbling and, and chaos and emotion and catharsis. But when I am like complaining, improvising into the mic, like about whatever, my day, my life, I recently realized I feel like I sound a lot like the stepsisters in Cinderella that are like, ah, I like I like that. Yeah. Well, and, and once I hit Miami and I had started playing with those folks, like uh, I would let them, you know, they like love to, you know, play music and, and even play kind of cover sometimes that I didn't know it was a cover and I'd be pissed after like, why did you I thought we just wrote a song? Why did you let me think I was writing a song? But like um we like God is my co-pilot was a big influence and for all of them, I think Carrie Pussy too. And so um, I guess a little bit of that in there. Yeah. And so speaking of Harry Pussy, they're, they're from uh, Miami. Did you ever get a chance to meet any of the members of that band over the years? Not really. Bill Orcutt would just do his like INC stage, like just playing, like he would just show up and just be like alone playing in the corner of the room and like not tell anybody about it and just like go away all mysteriously. 
but I got to inherit that stage after he retired. So that's pretty cool. It's like my closest connection to them. Yeah. And the band itself, period bomb, you've played a lot of places in Miami and South Florida, right? So thinking about some of the clubs and venues that have been around the longest, uh, are there any that come to mind that stand out to you as some of your personal favorites? Yeah. I mean, obviously Churchill's like, that was like the only place that let us play forever. Um, like we played Gramps one time and we put some period blood in sport guns and you only only use it on my friends and people I feel like would be into it. But I guess I think it was like the fact that I, I think it was honestly just a uh, booty from, from Mo booty or now they're called Altenstone or whatever, who was not happy that I got it on his Hollister shirt. And like, I don't, I don't think he would complain to like the authorities, but just maybe the fact that they like DJ there and like, they were acting upset or something in front of maybe someone who worked there. Like, I don't know, but we got banned and we, we were never allowed to play there again. And like, even when big bands would ask, which sucks because like when we did the first tour out of here, we, it was pretty awesome. We got to play with a lot of bands that it was like our first choice that we'd reach out to. We'd be like, really? Like people are this nice. Like, damn, like, I don't know. We got really lucky and uh, we didn't even have like a, you know, any real recordings other than the first demos I did in California and stuff and a couple other tracks. And um, some of the, you know, like all I could dream of is that we get to play with those bands we want to play with and maybe even bigger bands that we couldn't reach out to online might show up or hear about us, you know? And someone from Sheer Mag, which was kind of like the biggest like punk-ish band at the time, at least that isn't like, super pop punk and super like hot paramore girl like in the front whatever showed uh showed up to our philly show and like loved us and wanted us to open for them in miami so when they were playing at gramps and gramps didn't let us open up for them like i fucking had a cow i was really pissed yeah i can imagine uh when someone comes up to you though and tells you that they're fans of the music what do they usually say what is it about the band that they share with you that they really like um they usually say something along the lines that they've never heard anything like that before and that uh just something like whoa like you uh okay like <laughs> you like you really like put yourself out there like you really like go hard or ex- really explode out there like I don't know. That was awesome and stuff like that. And you certainly do. I mean, you listen to the studio stuff, right? With the the a lot of the cassettes you've put out, right? I did w- one of them in a studio, permanently wet. We got to do it for free in Canada on that first Miami tour, with Red, Wet, and Bruised. So what? Most of them are just made up of live recordings, is that right? Yeah, live or just demos in a little storage unit or whatever. Yeah. Okay. What studio did you go to to do the the one that was at a studio? Permanently Wet was done in Break Glass Studios in Montreal. It was awesome. The guy had met me because um, it was like right when I was transitioning period bomb here. Um, and I like I, when I, I did my underwater mast, uh, underwater archaeology masters here for a year, I DJed at WVUM. 
and I saw some connections there and I, they were doing something in some clothing store here in Wynwood and like I performed it solo but I was on the radio like hey like come over here and I think I, I like shouted out like an ad like also putting together period bomb again here if anyone wants to join the band like and um he showed up and he was like hey like I heard you on the radio that's why I came like I'm visiting from Canada and um I would love to like jam whatever like he started talking about music and I was like okay and I I had just met Rat and Rat was like didn't even like say anything just like typical rap bash is like hey what you trying to play INC I'm like I don't know, I guess. What is, I don't even know what that is. He's like, all right, you're on Saturday, 8 o'clock. Don't be late. No sound check. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what's happening. But so I, I had him play guitar for that first set of ours at INC and worked out pretty well. Um, the drummer I had gathered, ironically, didn't want to play anymore because she got her period. So I had to ask, like, come on, someone in the crowd's got to play drums. And like Anthony Alvarez sat in and he did pretty well. And then afterwards, Gladys came up to me. She's like, I didn't want to play because I'm going like right now next. But in the future, I'd be your drummer. And I was like, oh, shit. And the rest is history. Gladys is fucking awesome. She like, it's one of the only people I like really, really connect with. Like, you know, just energetically and musically, like on the same level. Um. I'm going actually just next week to go spend a month with her in Philly because she has a basement that is a venue, Plantasia, and um, I can be myself there and write music there and stuff. So, but we're probably going to tour with this big German band, Piss, um, in November, which was just DJ and Sebastian, who's like our Miami band here. We've been kind of playing a little bit with. This next tour, is it just focused on the East Coast or are you going to be touring all over the U.S.? We're doing the Eastern half right now. And then um, later next year, we'll do the the rest of it on this album. But we're doing up the East Coast to New York and then through the Midwest to Chicago. And then I'm going to fly to L.A. because I'm also a booking agent right now. And I'm booking a pretty awesome show for two of my bigger clients. Um, Drums with Guns and David Lieberhart and putting them together with some other like crazy weirdos and punk freaks in between them. And like, I just have to go to that. And I, I never really got to work with like big legit venues in LA till now. Like we were, we were actually way bigger in LA than we were in Miami or pretty much anywhere else. But when we started, um, but we, it was all underground. It was all like packing out underground spaces with not the best equipment and stuff so like i think i'm gonna now we're working with this spot zebulon the agency i work for and they're awesome so i'm gonna go see that show right after we play chicago i'm gonna fly over there and um i think stay in la for a week and then try and convince my bandmates to fly and play with piss again in la in that same place zebulon because that would be very triumphant for me when you mentioned about the booking, and I, I hope I didn't hear the name wrong, one of the people you mentioned was David Liebehart. Is that right? From Tim yeah, and Eric. He's, yeah. <laughs> nice. um, I'm glad I found a fan. Like <laughs> he is amazing, and he's not officially my client yet, 
my boss wants to see his stats and stuff, but I believe him on his stats. His numbers are just as good as other clients of mine. He, yeah, he's like, you know, funny and it does like very different for the agency. Cam's bringing a new flavor here, of course, as usual, but you know, he's, he's fucking awesome. He's such a legend. He's brilliant <laughs> and know him and get it. And he just hasn't had the right agent. I think, um, he has like his guy who does all his music for him, do all the booking too. And like, yeah, I really think I could help him and, and get him some good shows and tours. and festivals. Okay. He's definitely an original. That's for sure. Yeah, it sure is. How did you get involved in that? Because, uh, that's something obviously quite different than performing in a band. So how did you get involved in booking? Well, when you perform in such a weird band and you have to constantly fight for yourself to make the sp- like to make the people to make the space for you and convince them in ways they've never been convinced before you get good at that. And I've been doing that for 10 years. And, um, this guy who booked us, like big, taking a big chance on us in his big festival when we first started Ryan Brummett from San Antonio, um, has this agency and he saw that randomly Vivian Goldman, who's this amazing, uh, legend of the uk feminist scene her band was flying lizards her main band she also did like some ghostwriting and backup vocals for um uh x-ray specs and the slits all of the bands like that matter that era and um she also discovered bob marley and like brought booked his first tours did his first press and she just started performing now in her early 70s and wow. like yeah because she used to she was been a professor forever at NYU and she used to just be behind the scenes and I really identified with that it's like I really get carried away with people on my label who have even less booking and social skills but are so brilliant like just helping them so I totally identify with that about her and we bonded and she was just like would you know like who could book me around the U.S. like shows like mm. this one and I'm like yeah She's like, it's you, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, so that's how that happened. Like she just came up with that for me. And then also, um, Admiral Gray, my dear friend and amazing, amazing performer, like my favorite singer, honestly, Vivian and, uh, Admiral, both some of my favorite singers with really unique voices of my lifetime. Um, and Lydia Lunch, they've all three of them. It's amazing. They like believe in me as much as they have, like from the start, like without me even having to prove myself at all. But Admiral was like, can you please try and convince my guitarist Weasel to like tour again? Like he's always booked this stuff himself and he's just like so tired of it. And this is my life. And like, if anyone could do it, you could do it. I'm like, Weasel Walter is like my, you know, definite like guitar hero and like, super like been super intimidated in front of him at any time i've been around him like i don't think he has any reason to like remember me or like know who i am much less like be convinced by me to tour again but i'll try my darndest and then like he was like super nice and chill about it he was like okay if you want to do it then cool like i was like oh okay so i booked cellular chaos tour for him um and uh yeah I think luckily because of him, like believing in me and allowing me to do more and more bookings for him um, and me posting about that. So the three of them, Vivian, Weasel and Admiral, like I started, I'm obsessed with them and started posting a lot about them. And Ryan saw it and was like, uh, 
what do you do? Are you going to start your own agency? Are you working for an agency? Because I like what you're doing here. Like, you know, we could do it together. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I work for Overrun Booking now. And it's awesome. It's a really cool agency. Nice. Very cool. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that side keeps you busy too, right? Yeah, I have 10 clients yeah. now. Um, the other one that isn't signed yet is Laura Logic. She is a founding member and saxophonist with of X-ray specs. So between her and Vivian, I got some of the last remaining, like really important, like UK feminists. And over here, like being an overt feminist band is like really, really rare these days. So that's why, I mean, that's not why, but that's part of like what makes so much sense about me representing like bleeders and cellular chaos admirals band. Because otherwise the 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 agency was kind of just more like uh, some of the bigger people in noise, like Wolf Eyes and some people in electronic music who are doing some slightly more interesting uh, different things. So my wing is definitely like the feminist, like extremist, yeah. <laughs> extremist wing. And um, yeah, I feel really good about it. It's like I... I I, I'm not doing enough sitting here, not playing shows in Miami, waiting to go on tour, like for feminism. So like helping other people go on tour and spread that message definitely feels, makes me feel a lot better. So that kind of leads into my next question. You know, when you think about the sound of the band and the message behind the band, when you're playing a show, let's say in Miami or in Broward or somewhere else in Florida, what's the reaction like to fans of the band but also people that might be newly introduced to what period bomb's all about um well yeah that was another great thing about churchill's is like a lot of uh, almost every other place here we also like not to hate on gramps so hard like they let us play again somewhat recently so i guess i gotta give it to him um but like all, the, all these other places like have not like we'll play like a brewery or something and it'll be like one time because these people are so scared of their income being affected when I harassed a patron a little bit, just, you know what I mean? Just like fucking with his hair a little bit or like slapping him with a dildo a little bit, you know, like just basic things. That's like, all it was. That's it. Just a little slap with a dildo. Know, there. Like, That's it. Nothing, nothing to see there. Right? <laughs> you know? So yeah, like Churchill's, they, they wouldn't give a fuck. Like those old guys are so ready for it. Like they're, you know, they're, they're built for this. They're, they've seen much worse. They've probably been here since the old days in Churchill's. So that was pretty much um, the only place I could really get away with that stuff. As yeah. far as like people's most extreme reactions here, people, oh, well, um, they would get macho with me, you know, like they would get like, uh, try and like fight me or some shit like god forbid i like do something like a little bit degrading to them in front of their new girlfriend or whatever um so they'd like get all tough and one time we had to when we were first starting off play in our like little practice space which is like a weird guitar store in north miami called nightbreed and there was like some pretty sketchy characters in that part of north miami beach and um a couple came in while i was singing and we're like trying to grab my mic and I like pull back and I like hit my tooth with it. And like, can't really tell like, hello, a chip right there. And that's because of them. Yeah. And um, so I punched him uh, and yeah, he got carried away. 
talk about some of the merchandise of the band and whose creation was a lot of those ideas um probably all the ones you think about are my ideas like earlier earlier on um i almost wear one of the sh- wore one of the shirts today but i was like that's lame <laughs> um we made period bomb shirts that were jazzy's whole creation they're very unique like she had such a crazy style like she would use all sorts of things from bleach to stencils to just like hand shading stuff with watercolors and all sorts of stuff um and paper with like um just glue and and uh mod podge and all sorts of stuff so those shirts were really really unique um and uh but yeah the probably the stuff you're talking about is like the the go girls like peeing on the go um i don't know at one point people were talking about do we use those when we're on the road and we need to pee and stuff and i was like no that would be fun like i'm not the kind of person to like buy myself like anything like ever <laughs> but if i'm going to buy something cool like i wanted something like you know that cool like that then i might as well like make it merch so i ordered some from wish and like and just uh use like the cricket thing to like make a period bomb merch nice has anyone ever come up to you yet and asked you to sign anything um the only one i remember like really for sure uh memorably was these little girls when we had come out in maximum rock and roll like an interview and we played a pretty big DIY show in uh Chicago just cuz like we were on some mixtape online of this popular YouTube channel Jimmy and like they were on it and i don't know we talked and we got on and they were really popular i think they were like in college or high school you know like when people are young like they have like such a bigger following usually like so they put on this awesome show for us with like 2 300 kids and like a little group of them like wanted our autographs and the maximum rock and rolls they brought us their magazine it was so cute anything new for this upcoming tour um we're going to finally have like adult merch this tour we're going to have our first vinyls taken us 10 years to be able to find someone to put the money down for that for us uh shout out to 2020 Steve records um and uh I'm going to get some CDs for the folks who like CDs for their cars and tapes like always and a couple different t-shirts um I don't know nothing really wacky like I got like a a short amount and that's why they're all like sold out nothing has been like super in demand like oh i really want that because if if anybody asks me like i'm going to give it to them like i'm very i'm a people pleaser you know so if you want something specific you know let me know but uh no one's really asked for the go girls back or what else we had like different like oh binders for like people who don't want boobs or like the built-in booby ones for people who do want boobs um and uh what else is a weird thing well we made period bomb bibs once i really liked that cuz you know you should always go down on people on their period so it's if you have a problem with getting it on your clothes and we have to provide the bibs another guy saw the period bomb bib before those must have been really <laughs> no. there a while ago so if you had to create anything that you would want 
as merch, what would you want to create? I've always wanted the Diva Cup because you can throw it, you know, or you could put it on your plants or you could drink it, you know, and that's what we're all about. But they have not wanted to sponsor us yet. And those are expensive. But yeah, this band, uh, Come Girl Late, just made some period panties that say Come Girl Late on it. And was like, to remind you, you're always horny on your period. I'm like, I very much approve this message. Nobody ever talks about that. Um, a lot of girls like have the opposite or they think like, oh, I would never like do that, you know. But however, period panties is kind of a gimmick. Like you can just period in your panties. It's fine. Like it's a little bit of a, yeah. you know, like even with period panties, you might stain your clothes a little bit. Like so it's like if you bleed a lot, like the cup is better and you can use it for stuff. So I, there you go. I much prefer the cup. Um, oh my God, actually, no, I thought <laughs> of the perfect design. TM, you have to give me credit for this. Somebody does this. Instead of the Diva cup, it's the Devo cup. And it's like the little red hat you stick up there. There you go. <laughs> that would be sick. That's funny. So you mentioned the record and new music being recorded or has already been recorded what's the situation there it's been recorded we recorded it slowly over the course of the pandemic for three years in baltimore with our dear friend jason willett who uh is the basis for half japanese for the past 30 years i didn't know that forever until like well into moving there he's just been my good good friend like we met at a show in baltimore his spot his record store like in 2016 or 17 and just like one of i mean i stay in touch with a lot of i have like a good tour family but i stay in touch with him like every other day like he's my bestie bestie like so um yeah at least i have at least i have jason did jason at all play on the new record um yeah he played a lot on the record he, he adds a lot of crazy sounds and um I'm so grateful for Jason. I'm getting like emotional. Like he's just been such a good friend to me all these years. So many other friends are still good friends. I love them, but like, they're so just weighed down by capitalism, like so busy or know what it is, you know, like, honestly, I don't know what it is. I don't know where so many of my bandmates are. It's I have like, I've had like 30 bandmates approximately. Wow. And I wish I had all of their love and attention. I want to like try to reach out to them. Like, I don't know. Like, we're, I've never like kicked anybody out like in a nasty fight or anything. I've dated a few of them, stayed friends with them. Um, did a lot of the bandmates you had in Florida, are a lot of them still there? Or did a lot of people kind of move away? Or We had a tough time in Florida. I, I go all into it in the book. Like, the first person I get hooked up with through like the punk scene was a total piece of shit alan gribble he was like really nasty just like groping me force kissing me over and over like when i tried to practice with him um you know who did the same thing to gladys and casey and and uh everybody in his band um uh for a while anxious fuck is alvar who's like in all these metal bands and he would in front of everybody just like grab them like kiss them like a reward after his song and they'd be all like grossed out and like nobody ever cared about that shit like nobody ever cared about any of these things like i would be the only buddy 
only person complaining. Like I felt like uh, about like this one person who I did allow to be in the band because he wasn't as gross and horrible as Alan Gribble, Bobby. And then I felt so alone, like before the Me Too movement, like complaining about these little things. I'd be like, ha ha, like making fun of me. And then like after the Me Too movement and stuff, like a lot of people came out about him saying that he would do that to them, like either grope them or like force kiss them or even worse. So well, obviously when we found out, we kicked him out within 24 hours. We were on tour though. So we had to deal with that in our van, like figure out what the fuck to do with this like rapist in our van. And there was all these like allegations just popping off. Like not like, not like so much, like there was like three, sorry, there was like three or four allegations, but one of, of rape and the rest like harassment, but like, like the fact that it was like happened to us, a feminist band, all of a sudden, like the, the blame, like, got really heavy on me for not doing enough. I must have known I should have been a better whatever, you know? And um, it was like one of the worst call outs and we were like mid tour. And then that tour ended up being the worst tour of all time. We literally had to put ourselves in dangerous situations like every night sleeping in different parking lots. We couldn't turn back around. Everyone was like, oh, you're still trying to go on your tour. Like what a piece of shit. It's like, Who's going to give us money right now? We have no money to turn around. Like, it would cost like $1,000 to drive halfway back across the country to Miami, like, without shows. We don't have that money. So we had to just do what we always do when we have a show drop on us, which is fucking busk. And, like, just beg for money in a gas station for gas and, or you know, whatever. Um, you know, just rough it super, super hard. And um, after we came back from that tour, no one really fucked with us for a while. And the only people who were there for me was our old friends, this band Glass Body. And so they kind of, we kind of adopted them and they became our backing band, kind of like Sebastian on the drums, who's a guitarist for Glass Body and Bridget, the singer bassist, um, playing synth and singing with us. And so that was really awesome. Bridget is, is also like still my best friend, but also like super busy with living in South beach and having a waitress and everything every day. Um, but Sebastian's still in the band. Um, and yeah, like there's some more, you know, younger punks I'm friends with, especially that live with Sebastian in that house. But no, we never, we never got to make too many more bandmates here. What with all the stuff you've been through, right? All these tours and the people and what have you, and just these experiences. What is it about it that keeps you going with it? Um. Well, yeah, you know, it's like I haven't even gotten into like any of like the really dark shit of like really why we started the band. Like, had to do with rape and like a cult in L.A. called Church of Fine, and um, then when actually like. All I was going through all that Bobby shit and I was all depressed living in TJ's grandma's house, just like just so depressed every day. And I'm like, you know, triggered by all these new allegations coming out every day about different celebrities, different friends, different guys in the punk scene. Then finally, um, it comes out that this person that I was pretty sure was like drugging and raping me and other people, like even in my band at the Church of Fun, because we would all like 
never remember what the fuck happened the night before it finally comes out that there's five positive rape kits and and five people tested positive for ghb which like when mixed with alcohol like erases your memory so like that was like a huge kind of turning point for me because i had been just like gaslighting myself for years like i was like having this luckily like very healthy form of like primal scream therapy every day that like I kept getting opportunities to do that is amazing without people even knowing like really why the fuck or what's going on with me but I still wasn't like really sure like what to talk about like how to say this like you know because I I wasn't really sure like if I was I was buying into his um you know story that I just wanted to make something up dramatic in my head and i was just drinking too much every night which i don't do i've never had a problem with that ever yeah but, so finally like that you know was kind of like very healthy for me and um i had to like get those stories um off the internet as quickly as i could um so how much of these experiences actually goes into the music itself? All of it. The music is all super autobiographical. Um, I finally get really, really explicit with it in the song Moon Song, as far as what I was just talking about um, on this album. And it's it's funny because it's like it is about like periods. And people have always asked like if this band is just about like period pain. And I'm like, no, you know, but like um i've never had that much period pain until now so it's kind of ironic that you know shout out to coco who quit like at inc like i feel bad like i get it now like it could be really really bad and keep you fucking up and definitely make you feel like fucking heinous like i do today um <laughs> so i guess to tie it all in like yeah being an empath and wanting to be there for women um I guess it's just like one of those things, like some people who go through unbearable shit, all they can do is say like, well, I'm going to, you know, make some someone feel better about their life or feel like they could do it or pass on this strength to my child or whatever, which I'm not going to do. But um, my I feel like my mom and my grandma who both went through insane shit, like kind of had that idea for me so it's like i'm just gonna take that and 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 go from there i guess pass it on as well my mom literally was a pretty successful model very successful like she was the face of nivea and to this day i can't think of one hispanic model that is like a household name like like the face of nivea or something like she could have been like something i mean she was something very inspirational for women but then she decided to have me at 25 or 24 and like give it up and like that was like the before the days of like the internet really even so like there's like not even a trace of it and it's like instead of being inspirational for everyone she just wants to be inspirational for me and stop there on purpose so that like i could literally like be like go even further than her and say like, Oh, I surpassed you. Like, congrats. Like that's a cycle of life. Like you're supposed to stop there so I can surpass you. Like 
no bro like i can't stop like it's been hard to surpass yeah. her like <laughs> times are fucking tough like it's everybody wants to be a celebrity and a model and whatever not that i wanted to be a model I, I lost interest in that when i was about 10 and she started like losing her modeling career and losing her mind like that's when i was like oh maybe this is not cool you know but like just because like she you know gains a few pounds and then like everybody like goes her like it's like like why do you fucking pause yourself women like no like if you're gonna have illusions of grandeur about your child or your love of your life how about you just have illusions of grandeur about yourself don't ever fucking like believe in other people for your own life and your own satisfactions of life like that is a fucked up like doomed to fail way to live your life like have illusions of grandeur about yourself if anything you know what is your family and your mother? What do they think about your music and the message and all that? Have they ever come to any of the shows? No, um, they have not. Uh, my dad's a deacon. So when I started the band, he was like maybe halfway through or just starting to the process to become a deacon. And he was using that like very, like supposedly very afraid that he was not going to get approved because of my band. And, uh, my mom is super upset like she would take me to castings every day she um put me in singing classes since i wanted to do that since i was five um it was like a lot of people like she helped me so much like a lot of people like figure she was like a show mom and this was like all her idea and she was forcing me but no like i've always like loved the attention and always been a ham and always wanted that and i'm very grateful for it and I'm still using all of that, like dance and singing, whatever to this day, but she doesn't see it like that. Like, she's like, she's got a little bit of delusions in her head. Like, she's always told me that, you know, like I was in the Spice Girls toys commercial. I was posh Spice. I was such a uh, like posh little kid. And like, look at me now. But I kind of always remember being like a rebel and a tomboy and kind of gross and funny, like the same way I am now. And I finally find, we find the VHS of the Spice Girls commercial and we put it on. I was just in the background. I wasn't even like the lead posh Spice. Like, you know, like she was, yeah. she has a sitting in her head. Like if I failed so much, like she gave me so much and I do so little with it, but I do fucking all I can. Like, trust me, like I want a big, a bigger and bigger audience. Like I just like want to like do it while still being myself, you know, and 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 singing and screaming about like what i feel like i need to singing and screaming about so parents family definitely not into the period bomb no and they used to like <laughs> like we cannot like let you like live here like we wow we have to ostracize you if you're gonna do this band but finally since i guess i've like slowed down with it a little bit or like not been it has i don't know i found ways of covering it up better or whatever like um after this archaeology job uh ended in flames i was able to stay with them and that's where i'm at right now so far so good it's like three months that's like a record for me what is the next few years look like you think for period of bomb what else are you looking to try and accomplish with this band and with the the messaging and the art that's behind it i'm trying to just get even clearer and clearer my messages out it's still really hard it's still a challenge um i'm trying to uh record in nice studios um and honestly 
and like get more money and not keep limiting myself by how poor I've always been because that's something I feel bitter about and feeling bitter about like I've it wasn't just at one time with sheer mag like I've been offered a lot of we've been offered a lot of good festivals and shows to open up for other bands that we can't do because like only like rich kids can really afford to do that um and I was able to save some money with the archaeology I think I'm gonna go back to LA and finally not be bitter about never being able to go back there because I never had the money to go back there because like I said we did really well there in the beginning and I have so many amazing friends there like I had a dope life like I I don't know LA's sick like I there's not anyone in really particular I'm moving back for other than just like my close friends but I um was able to get some like pretty famous like people to believe in me and shit there with I don't know more than I was actually here and it did seem pretty idealistic and like a way um like there's just this energy everybody's like believes like they can they can do something and it's not as like this macho negative like pile like sure. punk vibe um although like obviously i will miss my friends here and just chilling with them over there everything is like doing this and that you know um but i do want to do that for a little bit and work on a documentary i've been working on with gaze at x for like 10 years that he's finally almost done with and just showing that punk is still alive all the forces that are trying to kill it um and yeah show people that we're still alive i'm still alive <laughs> surprise um you know maybe even get the original la cast together because it's amazing that we're all still alive and we should cherish that and yeah like i read all these biographies of bands that i love that inspire me like sonic youth and stuff and they'll be like yeah like we're just surviving off peanut butter sandwiches and whatever but then like we just got in a really nice recording studio and we just like started recording. And it's like, we have never even dreamed of doing something like that because it seems so expensive. But like when we do get together, the first moment we just start playing together is always so good. And we never record that well. You know, like when you start, like when you've it's how, like it's cool that we've played songs a million times, let, let them like really like sit in us before we have ever gotten a chance to record them. But also like we're amazing improv musicians and like I would really like the opportunity to do that more, like just get like the raw, raw stuff recorded well, um, see what happens. Um, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth between. I'm I'd much rather be someone who practices and writes stuff down and plans it all out more conceptual of an artist and being like, oh, but like, really, I'm an improv artist. And some of the best lyrics I've come up with were like live on stage. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go in the conceptual route now when I go to Philly next month um, and play a couple improv festivals and shows um, just focusing on just my voice and body and stuff. But um, after tour in November and to my Art Basel big 10-year anniversary festival slash book uh, release in December um, next year, yeah, I think I want to focus on like film and maybe some more 
I don't know what kind of music every I'm, I, I'm too like all over the place to say like I'm gonna go in this direction musically like I this album has like a, almost every genre on it like every song is a different genre and it's probably still gonna be like that like I want to do it all like I want to do more conceptual stuff I want to do more beautiful stuff for like film but I also want to do like really raw still like no wave kind of improv visceral shit as well so the whole spectrum is period bomb gonna maintain as the vehicle for this or do you anticipate having other projects with different names um yeah i didn't even fucking like really mention dj the whole time dj's been in the band longer than anyone he's been in the band six years so um it's a little hard to envision me doing anything period bomb if i go somewhere else and he can't come um but i mean overall like our whole discography i still have written most of the songs and it is like from a super personal experience all the lyrics and stuff so i mean like i feel like i have the right to if i want to um and i probably will just because it, it it's just like this ongoing developing story that never seems to fucking end and like this book is probably just going to be tales from the kind one and then there's going to be tales from the kind two who knows when um i remember you telling me the the title when we talked before and it was uh i, I was i loved it <laughs> great title <laughs> thanks yeah so yeah as long as people keep asking for period bomb i'm a very people pleaser you know i'll i'll keep giving it to them what do you think is the the song out of the catalog that is your personal favorite to play live um we have a lot of a lot of songs and a lot of maybe at least at least few favorites that people like to call out and stuff but they're from what's such a, different parts of my life what's an example of one that fans will call out people will call out for get off me sweaty boy or oily girls a lot and i'm just like you want me to just like jump back into my skin from like nine ten years ago right now like okay sometimes i can do it but it, it's there's nothing wrong it's not like we've gone so far musically like i do like all sorts of simple you know songs sometimes too but uh it just just depends on my mood i don't yeah. like to my mood too much like i'm not an actor you know I'm just uh someone trying to get a bunch of feelings out yeah and that's I mean, that's kind of like how it is with a lot of bands, right? I mean, the, some of the songs that are more older in the catalog are sometimes some of the favorites of the people coming out. And those are the songs I want to hear, although they may not be the songs that the band wants to necessarily play all the time. Yeah, nobody ever really asked for like our more emotional songs. Like, let me hear Worthless. Okay, like maybe our one friend Tay maybe has requested that song like once or Wrong Vaccine um tay is pretty much like in the band sometimes so it doesn't even count but um couple punks here younger punks when we first played here for the first time in a few years we're asking for a dog in a stroller which is cool from hardcore and Peebo. um that's that that, that's not that's not a very long song is it kind of short isn't it like one minute yeah yes yeah. <laughs> do you do a lot of uh improvisation with songs like that when you know it's only a minute do you do a lot of just expanding upon a song like that if you play it live no 
we're not gonna like make a song super long. My bandmates would probably be confused. DJ and Sebastian are a little bit more like to know, uh, have a plan and whatnot than maybe past incarnations of Period Bomb. Um, we'll like write on a couple songs, longer songs like Deal with God, um, Wrong Vaccine. We've always done that, but no, we've never really done that to a really short song. As we kind of close things out, I want to ask you some final questions here. What's your favorite band from Florida? Um, Probably have to go with Cop City Chill Pillars. Um, or maybe like Harry Pussy, but they only have like a, like their three like last songs they ever put out that are like super, super good. Cop City Chill Pillars is so many bangers. Like every song is so good and i don't get sick of it like it's it's our go-to it's one of our go-to's like we could just keep playing it and they're all so good so good the lyrics perfectly surreal and like takes you to like another place what's your favorite place you've ever played in florida um probably here the diy houses and stuff um they're all pretty fun tallahassee's wild gainesville super fun i love love the band ew from there that's like our fucking one band from Florida. I'd say we like really, really like are on the super similar vibe with. I mean, I love Glass Body and I love Donzi. And um, when I first moved here, Snake Hole was like the best band um, we were playing with. Palacio Los Hugos and stuff. But as I was saying, it's like when you go down, like once you reach Florida, it's like another level of fucking audacity and and just drunk drunkness like but as you keep getting lower it gets hotter and crazier and miami's always the craziest so a lot of blood a lot of broken bones i've seen in miami shows a lot of crazy shit are you and speaking of blood will you be taking any blood with you on the next tour (laughs) you can't you can't really store blood like that'd be funny if i actually tried to like in a cooler or something um didn't really think about that ever but uh the only time yeah we learned our lesson like doing that trying to store it and then use it it goes bad really fast and it smells really fucking bad and like people would throw up and shit but um uh no yeah i'm actually like running out of blood so i usually only have it when it's fresh which is hard to uh time that i and now it's even harder me lately so unfortunately yeah find out why in the book will it be available on amazon for purchase i don't know actually it's probably i i thought about doing like there's like a way of you can kind of publish a pdf for free on amazon but it's probably going to get banned really fast so i don't think i can even do that it's going to okay. reach out to us period bomb it's me you'll find me pretty easily just to see that title though on Amazon would be pretty fun. Yeah, well, you can see other <laughs> outrageous titles of our songs on there. That's true. <laughs> well, Cammy, it's been fantastic chatting with you this afternoon. So glad we had a chance to uh, to connect and and have you on to tell the story of Period Bomb and yourself as well. And and as we kind of close things out, final word, anything you want to close out the interview with? I'm gonna turn it over to you. Oh, um, just queef calm and keep Perry bombing, baby. (laughs) 